I know what I how, how I reacted, and I think you heard me react when I played this earlier on the program. This is the boss of the so-called federal so-called reserve. What did we get wrong? And that really was looking at these supply side issues and believing that they would be resolved relatively quickly. And that by that I mean there was going to be there were going to be vaccinations. Everyone would get vaccinated, so the millions of people who dropped out of the labor force would come right back in. Yeah, he went on to say his model was not wrong because that wasn't in the model. (laughs) Now, I can respond that way, but you know what I decided we'd do? I'm going to have Zach with me here. Zach's waiting in the green room with his people. They're applying makeup to him, giving him his last, you know, minute massages and such. He's warming up. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Zach Abraham versus Jerome Powell. Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Wise counsel we're to seek. I'm doing that today with my friend and brother, Zach Abraham. Soda Weight Loss, S-O-T-A, weightloss.com stands for State of the Arts. And partner of the day, helping us get this done. Zach, when I talked about Jerome Powell, you versus him, I saw the baseball cap go on backwards. I think you're getting serious. That's like the Ken Griffey approach. You know what I mean? (laughs) When we're about to put in work, we're going to chop some wood. You got to flip it around, man. There it is. Uh, Let me just get right off with this. This is uh, the boss of the Federal Reserve. And I don't know, is it, am I I okay pointing out that it's not actually a federal agency or does that make me, um, you know, a racist or a transphobe or a conspiracy theorist? Well, I, I mean, I'm no question. It makes you a far right conspiracy theorist. <laughs> okay, good. That's where, yeah. that's where I feel yeah. comfortable because, because <clears throat> it's not part of the federal government. Well, no, but, but it also means you believe crazy things like, you know, Bill Clinton was a pervert. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's all, this is all part of the, was. this is all part of the far right conspiracy or you probably believe that Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Yeah. You know, all that crazy stuff, right? That crazy stuff. Absolutely insane. Um, or, you know, the real dangerous belief I have about the Fed is it should be audited by the actual elected officials and the people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, you crazy man. Uh, you crazy man. All right. Listen here now. This is uh, this is Secretary Powell. Uh, he has some people to blame for the circumstance in which he finds his model. Chair Powell, um, Mr. Carson was talking about a gray box. What's your gray box? Is there something that you wish you knew that, that would help in, in setting money private policy? Only one thing. Yeah, no, I'd go back to the same thing, really, which is what, what did we what did we get wrong? And that really was looking at these supply side issues and believing that they would be resolved relatively quickly. And that by that, I mean, there was going to be there were going to be vaccinations. Everyone would get vaccinated. So the millions of people who dropped out of the labor force would come right back in. So wages wouldn't be under such pressure. That didn't happen for a range of reasons. It didn't happen. In addition, the, the bottlenecks and the shortages haven't been alleviated yet. And then on the back of that comes the new shock in the form of the war. Um, but so we but it wasn't it was wasn't something wrong with our models because it wasn't in the models at all. 
Uh, there is nothing wrong with our models because it wasn't in the models at all. I'll just leave that there for you, Zach. I, you know, I, I, there's a part of me that whenever I hear these press conferences, I, I giggle, but then I'm also jealous. You know, it'd be like my clients going, hey, 50% of our money's gone. I'm like, well, I mean, hey, it wasn't in the model, man. You know, like, we, <laughs> it's not my fault, man. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, with all humility, because I, I, I do not think that these are stupid people. Um, what I do think is a couple things. First of all, I think that it's very dangerous to have folks running a body like the Federal Reserve that do not have firsthand knowledge of an experience of how financial markets work. And, and I don't say, I, Todd, you know me, I'll be the first to admit that I've got a very deep knowledge set in a very thin area, right? Um, uh, it's, I'm a, I'm a specialist at financial markets and investing and that, and that, and I don't, I don't, I'm careful when I wander outside of that. But when you see these people operate, it was kind of like a conversation uh, that I had with a, a prospect the other day that had heard me last year on our radio show talking about uh, Kathy Wood and, and her fund, ARKK. And he's like, you know, you were telling people to get out of it. How did you know? And I said, you know, um, and I, you guys, and you, I think your listeners know this. I get plenty of wrong, so I'm not sitting here popping my chest out. But he's like, how did you know? And I go, um, it, it, it you just know when you see it and it just takes time in the saddle. And, um, you know, when you see somebody that's running a portfolio a certain way, you're like, Oh yeah, it's only a matter of time till they blow up. Right. Yeah. Um, there, there's a, there's a, one of the biggest issues I think that we have with the federal reserve is that there are no practitioners. It, it's all academic. And like you just said, we, we, it's not in our model. Well, I mean, that's the story of every model, right? Every model you follow, is going to break at some point. Every correlation breaks down. And people go, Zach, what do you mean? And I always go back to the analogy of go back to 2018. One of the things that we were saying that we thought would signal the end of this cycle was when the dollar and the gold route, dollar and gold rallied together. And I took a ton of flack for that. Okay, now here you are with gold up since we said that about 35% and the dollar at 23 year highs. Um, well, again, not me sticking my chest out. What, why do, why was that our thought and why were we right? Just time in the saddle. You just know, you know, you, you kind of see the way markers and you look at how things are, are, are breaking out. Um, and, and I think that this is a, I think that this is almost a government crisis because this is an issue that we've got clear across the board and it's right at the federal reserve. We, we've been completely taken over and enamored by academics and there are no practitioners left. And the, the, the ironic thing, now maybe they've got a card up their sleeve that I don't see, but the ironic thing is this is exactly how every crisis has happened, right? The Fed waits too long to take action. By the time they end up taking action, they end up hiking interest rates and tightening liquidity going into an economic slowdown. And so you get double whammied and everybody's going to focus like these people even ask him the questions. It even ticks me off with the reporters. Don't ask them about what they're doing now. Ask them about why they weren't doing it five years ago, right? When, when, when we, when, you know, it's, it's, it, it's this stupid. If we walk up to a barren field and we go, well, where did the plants go? Right. They, I mean, yeah. I mean, yesterday, what'd you do yesterday? Yeah. Did you not water these yesterday? And yeah. you're looking at them going yesterday. What yeah. were they doing during planting season? Yeah. Right. And, and, 
And so I, this is, it is so, uh, it's just so irritating because again, for years we've been saying the fed's going to do this. They're going to roll too long. They're going to wait too long. And by the time they've got a hike, we're going to have a bat our backs to the wall and it's going to be a mess. Here we are again. How did guys like me know that five years ago? How are we saying this all along? You better hike now while the, while the sun is shining. And even if it's not optimal for stock markets, right? Quit caring about the stock market so much, care about the economy. Um, but you know, that's not who they serve, right? They're not the Jerome Powell's retirement plan. Now I don't think he needs the money. And, and I actually I think okay. that, I was thinking about that. Yeah. I'm worried. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Save Jerome. I need yeah. to get a t-shirt that says that. Right. right. Um, but, but I, I, and, and to be fair to Powell, I think that he has been more plain spoken and more transparent than most other fed fed heads, certainly more than Bernanke, uh, certainly more than Yellen. Um, but it, it, again, they're academics and, and I, they just blindly trust their models. It, you know what it reminds me of? Did you ever, you ever watch that? Did you ever watch uh, the office? Yeah. You know, with Steve Carell. Okay. You remember when he's in the rental car and he's following the GPS and he's steering himself right into right. a lake and he goes, that's what the GPS right, right. is telling me. Right. That's what these people are. And you pull back and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey guys, guys, this isn't a monetary issue that you're dealing with. Right. Um, and I, you know, I think that there are political reasons that that's the other tough thing about where we're at. You know, why are they hiking so aggressively? Honestly, I think the biggest thing that they're trying to do is make sure Donald Trump doesn't get elected again. Right. You know I, what I mean? I, I think that's the same thing, I, but let me just uh, see if I can also boil this down in this way. Um, the more you try to add to your model, the less likely it will be. Like if you yeah. are, so you're going to do a 12 month revenue model based on a startup. Let's it's an utter startup. Your pre-revenue that's going to be wrong. Now, how wrong is it going to be? Well, that goes to in a, in a venture capital sense. What they're really doing is they're dummy checking you. Like, what are your assumptions? Um, mm -hmm. How could your assumptions change? What are your competitors doing? If you claim you don't have competitors, what are the nearest adjacencies? Um, then you're making an argument for valuation. What they're really doing is dummy checking you. Have you done any research on the advertising industry, for instance, uh, or on the on the podcasting industry? Have you done any research on on firms that buy data and sell data? They're dummy checking you. Now, if you're post revenue and you've got revenue coming in, now you do a three year model. Well, that's going to be somewhat likely. Now, you do twenty, you have no idea. And in technology, you do five, you have no idea. But when you're, you know, Jerome Powell and you're modeling the world and you're modeling human behavior and you don't include human behavior, emotions or skullduggery because there's not room in spreadsheets for this. What you're really saying is they want to take a world created by the most mighty force that has ever or will ever exist. God almighty. They want to put it in an Excel spreadsheet. And weirdly, it doesn't work. But that statement, so our model was not wrong, would be exactly like me saying, um, if I built a house and they came and said, there's no bathrooms in the house. Well, of course not. They weren't yeah. in the blueprints. What do you, what's your problem? There are no bathrooms in the blueprint. But you said you built us a house. I did. There's no, <laughs> but there's not. So um, with, with this, then let me ask a question. And I'll get to the second Powell clip because it gets more to a personal level. 
Is that how, in your mind, someone can convince the figurehead Biden to ship five, what is it, 500 million? Or is it, no, five, five, million. five million, five million barrels of oil out of this country as our fuel prices are going sky high? That is, is he cowed by academics? Or I know this is the constant phrase or constant churn of, of our conversations. Because I don't think Biden's capable of evil. I think he's a mean man. I think he has a very cold heart. I think he's a lifelong grifter. But I don't know that he could be evil because it requires scheming. But is that how that makes sense to them? Let's let's send five five million gallons out of this country of our strategic oil reserves. I I, I think that it's part of the do something disease, right? Um, I, if you look at it, I, I, and again, I think I think that Federal Reserve policy is a perfect way to sum up re- really the entire U.S. government's policy, right? Everything is pretend and extend, and it's been that way for. 40 years, pretend and extend. We'll like worry that. about it tomorrow. We'll worry about it tomorrow. I like well, that. well, tomorrow is now. And, and it's, it, I think a perfect illustration of this. And I ticked a lot of our listeners off. Uh, I, I ticked off some people. I took a lot of flack for this, but, but another thing that we were talking about, and this is a perfect illustration of going back to practitioner versus academic. Uh, when this whole, when, when this whole inflation thing started, we were sitting there and we've been saying this for the last four years. And I've like, I've, I've literally been cursed at by people for saying this, that we thought the dollar would lose its supremacy through it going up, not down. Right. Today, the DXY hit one Oh seven and change again, new 23 year high on the dollar. Okay. And, and here's the, again, it's not me saying I'm so smart and I knew it. It's a lack of understanding the way the system is built. Meaning, why did we think the dollar was going to go up? Because when the economy finally started rolling over, you have over $100 trillion of dollar-denominated debt out there, okay? And the reason you do is because nobody extends the same faith to everybody's currency that they do ours. So when these countries lend back and forth or do business with each other, they don't do it denominated in their own currency. They don't trust each other. Right, so they'll lend each other money, but the loan is denominated in U.S. dollars. Well, if you own a bunch of dollar-denominated debt, that means you have to service that debt in dollars. So when the economy starts rolling over and you see recession on the sidelines or coming up, right on the on on the horizon, what do you do? You batten down the hatches and you you gather up all the things you're going to need, mainly U.S. dollars. Right? It's a it's a systemic thing. And, and you, you learn those things through operating in financial markets. And why do you learn them? Because if you don't, you lose money. And if you lose money, you lose clients. And you lose your business, right? There's something on the line. You're not an academic sitting back there making your cool little charts and, oh, we'll just alter our model. Well, that's nice for you to say. That glitch in your model just caused a massive recession and 20 million lost jobs. Thanks. Right. I, I understand for you, it's a tweaking of your model, but how about some, how about some humility and understanding? Like you said earlier, you can't model human behavior. And, and I will just sit there and tell you guys that as long as we are denominated or we are dominated by this academic elite ruling class, it's going to be rolling disaster over rolling disaster because these people see six inches in front of their face and you can, and they will not listen to you. 
right? I, I, I think back to the two, early 2006, Ben Bernanke, the issues in subprime are contained. If you were in financial markets at that time and you knew what you were looking at, you knew it was complete nonsense, right? right. All you had to do is look at the issuance of subprime debt and realize that, no, no, this is not a market, right? If, if the issue in subprime was contained, we would have seen spreads blowing out between subprime and prime. You didn't see that at that time. So we sat there and went, he's full of it, right? It, and these, it's, it's just this lack of practitioners. That's what made the last head of the Fed, Volcker, that, that's why he was good at it. He threw the models out the window and said, wait a second, here is the issue. We're going to attack this the way I know how to attack this because of my time in the saddle, because I understand the way financial markets work. And these people don't. I mean, they, they just don't. They trust their model yeah. and it, they've never had their tail on the line. You yeah. know, there's two there's two metaphors I would um, apply to this from life. Um, I saw this series of videos. I went down this rabbit hole one day of people who practice uh, a form of martial arts alone. And it's, it's beauty based and it's, Hey, we'll get you in the gym. We'll get you super good at the kicks, um, spinning drop kicks and, you know, spinning side kicks and all the sort of dramatic kicks. And man, you watch these guys on video, Zach, they're monsters. And, and then, then they said, um, shadow, shadow boxing, sh- shadow boxing world champ. Yeah. And I mean, and you look at them, they're in great shape. You know, the, the, they've got, uh, you know, the rock ribbed abs. They look fantastic. And then they put them into a situation with someone who has spent their life fighting. Um, mm-hmm. so be that say someone who is a, um, self-defense hand to hand combat, uh, teacher for a special forces group. And he can't do a standing, he can't do a jump kick. And it's not, a, I don't think any of these 50 videos I watched lasted over 20 seconds. I was um, going to say 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. And, and you'll see the, like the, the artists, the artists, gymnast type um, practitioners of this stuff, put their hands up like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the fighter's like, what, whoa, what, what, yeah, what, yeah. what, whoa. Um, you are. We're an, out of the theoretical. Right. Now, now there's someone who has experienced with taking life. Um, when they have to, or knowing how to, should they have to. And now you get it. Like you've never had to fight for your life. Um, academics, they never have to live with the results of their con- or consequences of their ideas. They live in this bubble. The other one is this, you relate to this. My, um, my godfather, I died in five minutes, my godfather. Um, he is my uh, best friend's father, brilliant radio man. One of the reasons that I got into radio was because of Gary. And he started Dick Clark Productions and he was, uh, he ran the Gavin Reports and Radio and Records. And he's just, if anyone in radio, you know, if I were to say his last name, people who've been in radio a long time know Gary. And he always bemoaned the fact that he didn't get a college education or a degree. He went, but he dropped out. And I mean, he's, he's, he's done brilliant. Well, he's been retired for 30 years. He decided to go back to college at a community college. And he's in a media accounting class. And this young teacher professor is teaching, here's how revenue is reflected in radio. And Gary's looking at this going, what? <laughs> what? Since when? And so Gary in his mid fifties raises his hand. Yes, professor, I worked in the industry for you know 25 years. That, I know that was the model 25 years ago. It's changed. That's not how it's done now. And he goes, um, I don't know your name, but this is how it's done in this class. <laughs> instead of saying, oh, well, that's interesting. Can you tell us about that? Right. In, 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 instead of saying, and so he's afraid of a man with more experience 
and clearly a fragile person. So let's get this to a personal level, though, Zach, as we continue, because um, Jerome Powell also, he took a look at your savings account, Zach, and mine, looked at our portfolios, everyone listening to us. Uh, he looked into it and he's made a determination. I think it will give a lot of our listeners a great deal of comfort when I reveal what Jerome Powell knows about all of us. A great deal of comfort. I'm talking with Zach Abraham, the Chief Investment Officer, Bulwark Capital Management. Look at this right here, an announcement for Bulwark. The guy that you're listening to now um, looks at all the investment portfolios. And he has a team of people who work for him, which should make you very, very happy because Zach hires smart. And I've heard him say he hires people smarter than he is in core areas. And that's a sign of someone who runs a good, responsible business. Um, listen, if you're hearing this and this is making you nervous, okay, talk of finance. Or if I come to you, if I look in the eye and say, are you ready to retire in five years? If that causes a pit in your stomach or cold sweats to break out, or you're going to drop and cry in the fetal position, get in touch with Zach. If it causes you to question, uh, yeah, I don't know. Get with Zach at Bulwark Capital Management. Now, if you hear that and you go, absolutely, 100%, I'll just invite you to test that and get in touch with Bulwark Capital Management. They are zealously focused on risk management. And what we're talking about today, this next soundbite, this should tell you it's a risky environment when people are willing to make proclamations like you're about to hear from Jerome Powell. So the easiest way to get in touch with Zach is you go to knowyourriskradio.com. That's where the radio show is at, the podcast. I would just cut that all out. For me, I'm a phone guy. It's 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK for Bulwark Capital Management. And if you're that confident person, well, don't, don't be afraid to put it to the test. Let's see what these guys say at Bulwark Capital Management. Remember, investment advice cannot be given to the client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Um, Zach, here's the other piece from Jerome Powell. And I guess this comes from the... The little trip, not little, long, lengthy, painful, instructive, important trip my family and I made through adolescent and youth mental health, um, because you'd never go to someone and say, um, you're fine. When, when someone says, I'm really hurting. No, don't, don't be sad. Uh, don't, don't be angry. All right. Don't be upset. No, no, stop. Don't be upset. This is um, Jerome Powell explaining that anyone who's worried about their finances really shouldn't be. So the U.S. economy is actually in, in pretty strong shape. So if you look back a year, um, the U.S. economy grew more than five and a half percent. It was really the big reopening year. Mm -hmm. And so we had expected this year to be that that growth would moderate to a more sustainable path. Um, we also, of course, are, are raising interest rates. And the aim of that is to slow growth down so that supply will have a chance to catch up. We, we hope that, that growth can still remain positive. Um, but if, so if you look at it, it, uh, the strength of the economy, households are in very strong financial shape. They've still got a lot of excess savings from, from you know, forced saving from not being able to travel and things like that, and also from fiscal transfers. So households are overall, not, not every household, uh, and not, not the ones at the lower end of the income spectrum, but overall in strong state. The same thing is, is true of businesses. Very, very low uh, rates of default and things like that. Lots of cash on the balance sheet. Um, the labor market is tremendously strong, you know, still averaging very, very high uh, uh, job growth per month. So overall, the U.S. economy is, is in uh, is, is well positioned to withstand tighter monetary policy, we think. <laughs> uh, Zach Abraham. 
Okay, let's take it blow by blow. Uh, household wealth. Okay, let the market drop another 20%. Let's check that data again, right? Again, it, it's like flying six inches away. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's the definition of flying blind uh, or driving through the rearview mirror, um, right? Because household wealth, I mean, one of the biggest boosts to household wealth numbers is home equity and stock market, right? So what, what, where, where, what's happening to home equity right now? Now, I, again, I don't think we're on the precipice of some 2008, 2009 collapse. The dynamics of the market are completely different. But what I'm saying is the numbers he's talking about are incredibly transient, right? And those savings are getting eaten up. If everything he is saying, what, why is credit card debt jumping off the page, right? Why is credit card debt jumping off the page? Because yeah. people are trying to fill in the gap, right? Um, go talk to businesses. I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane. They're sitting back there just talking from their ivory tower. Is this, are we in the midst of some type of economic collapse? No, but you're going to do it if you continue on with this tight monetary policy. And I'm not saying, <clears throat> I'm not saying that they, that we shouldn't have, I'm not saying rates should be at zero. They shouldn't be. You need to, you need to normalize rates. But um, the, the other thing, Todd, you can point to is that these are the kind of messages you get in when markets aren't allowed to do what markets do. As long as 10 people in $3,000 suits are setting interest rates, you're going to have these issues over and over and over and over and over again uh, because they're making arbitrary or political-based decisions with monetary policy and interest rates and all these other kind of things. Um, you know, households are very, you know, it just, it, I mean, you go down the list. Um, I, do I think that the structure of the economy is irrevocably broken? No. Uh, do I think Again, I don't think we're in an 0809 type scenario, but what you're doing is, I mean, think about it this way. If you run an economy at a consumer driven economy at 0% interest rates at rolling quantitative easing, so juicing asset prices for 15 years, 15 years, right? And you all of a sudden pull back on that. Well, what's going to happen, Right. It's 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 like uh, it's like drying out an old alcoholic, and you're like, why are they why are they dying, right? We we, we why are they dying? We, we we got them off alcohol, and you go, okay, well, yeah. In the practical world, right, we need to wean them off, and we need to you know make sure we got IVs and we got to counteract all these things because it's going to take time, and and they don't even grasp the concept. They don't think that they were serving the alcohol for 15 years. They don't think that they were serving the, the opium or, or the, or the you know, uh, uh, painkiller for 15 years. And now all of a sudden they're like, well, they're going to be fine. We're going to get them off the drugs. It's going to be great. And you're like, well, that, that's not the way the human physiology works, right? That's not the way the human body works. you got to do this over time. You can't just pull the plug. And, I mean, all you got to go do, I was at a 4th of July, and I know this. I didn't need to do it anecdotally, but I was at a 4th of July get-together, and I was talking to a real estate agent. Uh, um, and just talk to them how it was and they go, it just stopped dead, right? Real estate just stopped dead, right? It's not plummeting, but it just stopped dead. Like there's no, there are no more bidding wars. There's no, I mean, just, it just stopped. And, um, and this is the problem with these arbitrary academic type decisions. It's again, we shouldn't have been there in the first place. Um, but no, he's, yeah, it, and, and, it, and for that matter, I, I'll tell, I'll tell your listeners this. Um, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen here in the next couple of months. Nobody does. 
but you guys need to be exorbitantly careful. Like I said, you've got the DX, the dollar index at levels we haven't seen for, 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 I was just, I've got an article pulled up my computer right now. Uh, uh, street analysts are suggesting earnings rates for the S and P 500 to grow 4.1% year over year. <laughs> laughable, laughable. And all I, you don't even need all these other things going wrong. All you need to show me is the dollar index, right? The dollar is now rallied 35% against the yen, 50% against other currencies. Do you think the people in those countries are going to buy as many iPhones now that they're 35 to 50% more expensive on a same currency basis? Hey, these people are nuts, right? And why are they not altering their earnings reports? Again, bunch of academics working there. And then also uh, p- investors need to realize you're never going to hear media types or analysts telling you to get out until the train, until the train's already off the rails, right? Why? Because they got to keep the lights going, the flashing lights, right? Come on in. If the party's water's warm, hop on in here. Happen here, but people need to be exorbitantly careful here. Um, it, it, the setup is really bad. And I think the quotes that you just played, you think that there is this omniscient body that has your back and that understands the unique problems that we're facing and is going to stick save this thing. Uh, I think all you need to do is listen to those quotes. Uh, you, the, the blind is leading the blind. And typically, uh, that means you don't end up in a very good place. Yeah. And, and, you know, all that's so well said. And I wanted to ask this question, first of all, about Powell and then a, a, truly to you. Uh, he has determined people have excess savings. What does that mean? He's looking at. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, how does he determine uh, that? They, they, I, they look at there. There's a combination of different things they're looking at. They're looking at the average balance of savings accounts. Um, and, and I think that that is an extraordinarily, uh, silly way to look at it because they do not correct that number against higher, you know, they don't, they don't rebalance that number against. So they'll look at, they'll look at excess savings by looking at money in savings accounts, like, or money in money accounts across the system, right? How much cash is sitting, uh, in, in savings vehicles, CDs, things of that nature across the complex. But then they don't rebalance that against current rates of inflation or current rates of living increases, right? So you could sit there and go, well, look at savings accounts are 20% higher. And you're like, well, have you looked at cost of living? Well, right? but I guess my greater point is this strikes me very, very much. And I, I, this, it's been the theme of your, uh, your approach to this today. You know, Fauci came out and said, everybody needs to get injected. Everybody's at risk. N- never true. But hey, why, why quibble with details? Why treat human beings as human beings? Why reflect the fact that God, you know, created unique fingerprints and a uh, unique eyeball structure and, and sounds of our voices, even our key keyboard strokes are unique. Why do that? You know, all these stupid, you know, walking uh, hairy robots, you know, these hairy meat sack robots, they're all the same. Um, or to do it that way. So when, when we come back, I want to ask you, though, on a general basis for folks listening to this in this environment, um, you work with people near retirements, you know, that five-year, 10-year window. Not that you say no, but that's a sweet spot given, you know, your focus on risk management. Uh, but I wanted to ask about the, the very fundamentals from Zach Abraham for people starting. And there's a reason for this, Zach. There's a next hour. I have a listener email I'm going to answer. I'll I'll, I'll give you a heads up on this. Same thing I just talked about uh, with the one size fits none CDC approach to, uh, you know, so-called public health is the exact opposite of soda weight loss, Sanford state of the art, exact opposite. 
So, uh, for instance, someone asked me the other day because they heard us talking. I was talking with some people who have joined Soda Weight Loss and they're having the same success, same level of success my wife is having. I've got another now relative who's joined Soda Weight Loss. And they said, well, how much food will they give me? How much, how much, how many calories will I eat? I said, I have no idea. It, it entirely depends on, on how many calories you burn and how much they think you can drop in fat per week and keep it off. And that was confusing to one of the people saying, so wait, so there's, I can't go to the website and look at that. No, like if you went to a website to look at how much, you know, how you should lose weight, lose fat, uh, how do they know? They don't know what trigger foods you have. They don't know how you eat now. They don't know your body composition. Like don't ever come to me and talk about BMI. It's a complete utter scam, body mass index, silliness. They don't use that. How much fat do you have? How much muscle do you have? And the rest is bone and water. And they'll look at that. Why? Because that's the number. That's the linchpin number. And then from that, they calculate how much food you'll eat every day. And then from that, they'll talk about your trigger foods. And then from that, they'll talk about when you eat. And they'll lay this all out for you. And when that's all done, they'll present you a piece of paper saying, in these number of weeks, you should drop this much unwanted fat from your body for this much money. That's as simple as it gets, as transparent as it gets, and as uniquely calibrated to an individual as it gets, because to do anything else would put them in the corner of Jerome Powell. Look, Americans have a lot of excess muscle. Let's, let's force them to eat Bill burgers. Hey, man boobs aren't that bad. Bill looks great. It's sodaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A. Weightloss.com, it stands for state of the art for all those reasons. Sodaweightloss.com. Zach, I got a note from um, a young man. Um, a young man, he's thinking ahead. He's a professional pilot. He's got himself a great gig, uh, but he does have to live far away from family. And I'm going to address this. We're going to do listener emails next hour. It's been a while. And there's some really good ones. And, and one really angry one. Dude is, I constantly get emails from people saying, you've gone soft since you put the Lord at the center and, and you're not a battle or a warrior anymore. So, We'll talk about that. But he is looking at a career change, um, you know, moving up on the ladder, but he has to get these injections. And he dropped into this, hey, I'm 24. And um, I was surprised to see I could open an account at Bulwark. They treated me like a, like a, a grown up. I do have some money um, put aside, uh, but not like they're big fish. Um, and his question for me is more about, should he take the injections and, and prayer for guidance? So I just wanted to jump off of this. This guy's he's got a great career ahead of him. He may choose to take these injections and earn like five times more money than he does now. He may not. Um, but what do you say to that 24-year-old who's got that career established, uh, but is still in that tenuous position of putting money away? What are the, what are the um, sort of not excess savings? That's a Jerome Powell thing. But what are the three to five things you say down to dollar amounts in general for people like this? Number one is debt. Uh, and I, I accumulated a fair amount of debt early on when my wife and I both did because we had to pay our way through. We, we were stuck in the middle. So our parents were, I, I grew up wonderfully, uh, uh, somewhat of an idyllic childhood, but my family was not, uh, we were right in the middle. So, so we made enough to where we didn't qualify for federal loans or anything like that. No grants. Uh, my wife's family was the same way. Um, at the same time, uh, they didn't, we didn't make enough for our parents to finance, you know, 25 grand a year for college. Yeah. So her and I were both on our own and it took me about 10 years to dig out of that debt. Uh, and I think at one point my wife and I had $220,000 of student debt 
And we both worked through college. Like this wasn't just us being irresponsible, putting our living costs on it. Um, it was just the cost of, you know, just the cost of what it took. My, my biggest thing to them would be live inside your means. It's not hard. It's free. It is easy. Stay out of debt. Debt is what gets you trapped. It eliminates options. It robs you of wealth. Uh, the whole system is corrupt. When you look at, I, I was going to get my house refied. <clears throat> and the only way I could qualify for the prime rate was if I put more money on one of my credit cards because I, I just had a credit card there for, for uh, uh, emergencies, you know. And uh, by putting more debt on it, my score would go up. Yes. What is that? That tells you all you need to know. Gamification. Yes. And, and it is a, it is, they want you on the hamster wheel. So exercise a little bit of discipline and immune yourself from caring about what other people think. When I started Bulwark, it's funny story. When I started Bulwark, I was just driving up and down to meet people, right? We, that, that was back before people would actually call to talk to me. Yeah. You know, they, yeah, right. I, had to, I had to go see them. And uh, the, you, this was seven, seven years ago, eight years ago. And, um, and I did it driving up and down I-5 in a four-door hatchback Ford Focus. It was 2002 with 220,000 miles on it. And I pulled up to one of my client's houses, $4 million spread on Lake Union or Lake Washington. And he comes out and he goes, man, I, I pictured more of a Bentley. And I said, have you ever seen me pull up in a Bentley? Move your money, right? Uh, because something's gone on. But my whole point is do not buy into this idea that you yeah. got to look the part. Do not buy into caring about what other people think. If you are passionately pursuing your goals and, and your pursuits, that's what people will notice. And, and the right people will notice it. You don't want the attention that comes with that car. You don't want the attention that comes with the glitzy house, right? That's all nonsense anyway, right? And if you're young and you're 24 and you can learn that lesson just by hearing somebody like me talk about it, hats off to you. Because I was better than most, but it, I, I needed to learn that lesson a little bit the hard way too to really get anesthetized yeah. from, um, from caring about what people think. So that, that would be number one. Number two, buy fear. Anytime you see panic in anything, right? I'm not telling you to go load up on it, but whether it's in energy stocks or, or commodities, whether it's in housing, whether it's any, anytime you see panic and you hear people on the street going, I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. That should be the thing that turns your alarm bell off. It doesn't mean it's going to go up instantly, but step in there. You're young. You can swing the bat, go in there and buy one of those, right? Go in there and buy a house in 2010, right? Uh, you know, like I did, I was fortunate enough to be able to have that opportunity. And, um, so, so, and, and the only way that you can take advantage of these things are linked, right? The only way you can take advantage of things like that is if you haven't been spending everything you make, right? And you're not trying to impress all the wrong people. I don't agree with Dave Ramsey on everything. I probably agree with him on like 95% of what he says, but I love his line about don't spend money. You don't have to impress people that don't like you. <laughs> right. And, and it's so true, but it's so simple. And, uh, and, and most people don't do that. Here's, and here's another one. Can we help? Do I think that that 24 year old will get better results with us? Probably. Right. But one of the things I tell even my buddies is look, no matter what I do for you, it is not going to overcome whether you're putting 6% of your income away or 12% of your income away. Right. If you just, if you're putting away 6% and you're investing with us, 
you could just if you're if you're getting if you're putting away twelve percent and just throwing it in the S and P, you're going to blow what we do away from you, right? Because or you're going to blow away what we do for you because you're putting twice as much money away. Yeah. Right. And when things get nasty, put in more. Right. I trying to convince people to think counterintuitively when everybody else is excited. You know, Buffett calls it the greedy when others are fearful, fearful when others are greedy. If that's all you did at age 24, you're not going to have to work past 45 or 50 if you don't want it. Right. I, it just, it stacks up. Um, so I'll tell you an opportunity right now. And I want to be careful because we've talked about fuel and, 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 or we've talked about oil and commodities and all that kind of stuff. And if you're out there playing in those fields right now, I, one of the, they've been getting pounded. I mean, just pounded, indiscriminately pounded. It's, it's pretty nuts. But that's it, a perfect example of what I think those young 24-year-olds should be investing in right now because short-term doesn't mean anything to them. But for everybody else, guys, one of the things that we've talked about, and it's no wonder that this is the part I don't think people pay enough attention to, is that if you're playing in these things, you've got to expect 40 to 50% volatility. That's what happens, right? And that's, that's one of the things that we do is we, you know, we'll play in those areas, but we also hedge out and mute out that volatility because our clients have much shorter time horizons. But, you know, save money, stay but, but out of debt. you said to say you were going to say something. Uh, it sounded like you were ready to give um, a general view on investment because you can't give investment advice without a client services agreement, as we know. But it, I was yeah. really, I, it sounded like you were going to give sort of a, a direction people might take uh, in terms of a vehicle for investment. Yeah. I, so right now, um, you, you know, I think that you still want to be in those uh, commodity type plays. I think that, that, that the inflation isn't over. It's going to appear like it's over. Here's, here's, here's how we think this is going to play out. Everything's going to start coming apart. You look at dollar index, look at rates, you look at all these different things. Uh, and unless one of these things changes drastically in the near future, there, there are going to be some serious problems. Um, and so first of all, if you don't know how to protect capital, um, you should probably just sit in cash right now. People are like, Oh, Zach, the inflation. Yeah, I know. I know. But you know, it's like our, I, I got, I got griped at by a client. He goes, you have too much, you have too much money sitting in cash. And I go, well, yeah, but we're outperforming the market by 15%. And he's like, well, yeah, but what about the inflation? And they go, we're outperforming the market by 15%, right. right? Sometimes, sometimes regardless of inflation or what you see, uh, you know, sitting in cash can be a good opportunity and maybe you miss out on the bottom, right? Maybe you don't catch it perfectly. Maybe whatever. I just think now is a time where, um, I think people are so, and, and it makes sense. 15 years, again, the federal reserve stick saving every single economic issue with printed money and people are really anesthetized to the risks out there. And, um, you know, the, I think the only way you should be playing in these markets right now is if you really understand how to manage risk and, and you know what you're doing. And, and here's a really cool, here's a really quick litmus test for people out there. If you don't know what your net exposure is, if you don't know what net exposure in a portfolio is, don't be actively managing these markets. Okay. That, that, that's a good litmus test. That's the good start. But right now you need to batten down the hatches because I don't see a lot of room for upside surprises unless the Fed re reverses course. Um, and there's just a lot of bad stuff happening. And if they continue to raise rates, like he's talking about, they're going to blow this thing up. And, and I, I would say uh, for my layman's thing is start 24 year old by remembering that uh, you, you, you own nothing and that you steward yeah. everything and that that's God's mm -hmm. money. Um, and that when you, if you tithe, you're not giving anything to God. 
Like you can tie, no. you, you can do 20%. You can do 30%. You're not giving him anything. You're saying the, to him, I trust you with what you gave me. And the, the, I, I am showing that trust. I love the fact you bring this up because one of the things that my wife and I have gotten to, uh, God, God, praise God, he's made our business way more successful than I, I thought it would have been. I didn't, I didn't see myself here. Um, but one of the things that my wife and I talk about is the only spending I don't feel some type of conflict about is the money that we give to God, right? It's, it's the only spending that I'm 100% confident in. The rest of the time I'm going, okay, is this ego? Is this trying to impress people? Is this about me just wanting more? You know, I grit my teeth when I stay because that's that, just, you know, I need more. Yeah. No, I, I was, um, I, I was on a cruise with a bunch of other people in the industry and I was listening to these guys talk and they were all really successful. And I went back to my cabin and talked to my wife at one point and I just said, this is gross. These men get a little bit of success. They get some money and they just think they can devour whatever they want, whether it's people, whether it's goods, you know, so getting used to that, building that, there is nothing more fun than contributing to good God, you know, putting money in, in, in the places that God wants you to and watching it bless people and watching it blossom and watching it grow. It is so much more, it is so much more fulfilling than, than a new car or anything else. You know, I just, it's, it's, uh, my wife calls it eternal investing. And I, and I, I couldn't agree with her more. I just get used to that, build that muscle up. That, that's where, that's where satisfaction and fulfillment is going to come from on the new car. Yeah. And it also, um, it's also a great act in humility. And it took me uh, to my mid fifties to be very, very comfortable saying I own nothing. I have, I have built nothing uh, because apart from God almighty, even the Lord Jesus. And if, if this is a hard pill, cause it is, I think for, I don't really talk in men and women terms. Cause I think that's a stupid game. But for a certain type of type A person, it's a really hard thing to say, no, no, I, I, I didn't build that. But remember the Lord Jesus said, apart from the father, I can do nothing. I mean, the Lord mm-hmm. is saying, oh, apart from the father, I can do nothing. If he can be humble and I can't raise the dead and you can't raise the dead and I didn't create the universe and you didn't and the Lord did, then, then we can all learn from that. Zach, it's always great to have you on. Uh, we'll work on getting that a one-on-one debate with you and Secretary Powell. I'm just trying to come up with that uh, $750,000 per minute speaking fee he charges. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That, well, and like I said, too, remember, he, he's going to take me on really aggressively because he's got to build up that pension plan, right? Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he, he wants to get his $4 million consultancy fee from BlackRock, yep. you know? All right, this is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, uh, and be humble enough to remember you're not giving God anything when you tithe. You're simply showing him you appreciate what he gave you.